If you're growing a business or just thinking about launching a startup, this is definitely the podcast for you. This is Fast Forward, brought to you by Tech Manchester. We support early stage tech focused businesses. Each week, we'll dive into the issues that we know keep entrepreneurs awake at night. We'll chat to experts who'll share their tips and advice on how to handle everything from raising finance, making your first hire, to getting your company noticed on social media or in the press. Running a business is a roller coaster. It's exhilarating, but it's pretty damn scary at times too. We're here to help you get your business off the ground and hopefully get a better night's sleep. It's hosted by me, Patricia Keating, Executive Director at Tech Manchester. Standing in a tin shed, waiting for the van to come. Oh, friend, have you seen where my golden tickets be? Welcome back to Fast Forward. Business resilience is currently being tested to its absolute limit. COVID-19 is taking a heavy toll on thousands of businesses and many are closing their doors indefinitely. Several are furloughing staff, but it's not all bleak. A few are pivoting to provide essential supplies to the front line. Responding to calls from police officers on the ground, did Spreach In made the switch from spirits to hand sanitizer? and it has now made more than 1 million bottles to keep key workers safe. Liam Manton co-founded Didsbury Gin in 2017, and the company experienced meteoric growth. Uh, Like many businesses, Didsbury Gin is now carving a path through these exceptionally choppy waters, and um, we're going to speak to him today. Liam, thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. (laughs) So listen, first of all, we want to check in. How are you? How are the family? Uh, you know, are you all safe and well? Yeah, we're all safe and well. Um, managing to retain a, a certain level of sanity during lockdown. Um, I don't know, but, you know, we're having some fun as well. I mean, we've, we've become addicted to bongos bingo and a Saturday night drinking session <laughs> indoors. Probably, yeah. you know, we're just, just, just doing, doing, doing as much as we can to keep entertained, really. Yeah, no, I think that's what we've all got to do is get getting creative. Um, and I suppose it's the one of the silver linings of this whole experience is that we're all spending a lot more time with our friends and our families. Um, but let's talk Although about I did have I, I did have an experience at the weekend trying to um trying to teach my mum how to use a webcam on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> let, let, uh, that's that's three hours of my life I'll never get back. And were you successful? Uh no, I give up in the end. <laughs> <laughs> We have the same problem with my dad and MSN Messenger. He can do FaceTime okay, but trying to get him on a group chat is uh, proving elusive. But we'll get there. We've got time. We've got time. That's it. Um, So listen, let's talk about the the journey of Didsbury Gin. Um, You founded the company uh, just a few years ago. And last year, you know, what, within 12 months, you were turning over um, 1.5 million. Um, You know, how was the situation for you when the coronavirus crisis sort of first started? You know, how did you kind of, what kind of happened in that sort of immediate sort of week or two week period? I, I think, you know, it, like, like probably most business owners in the UK, there was just that, that initial period of uncertainty, which was probably the, the, the most challenging, you know, of the times, because 
no one kind of knew what was going on. There wasn't clear guidance on, you know, were bars and restaurants going to close? Were they going to stay open? What impacts would it have on shops and things like that? Um, you know, so it, it was quite scary, definitely a scary period for us because, you know, the bulk of our trade, you know, our products is, is generally consumed in bars and restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's challenging, you know, it's scary, but, you know, there's, there's probably people out there in worse positions than us. A lot of smaller independent operators who don't have a present in, you know, in the off trade, in supermarkets, which we do have, luckily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's, there's going to be people more worse affected than ourselves. But, you know, it has been challenging. Yeah. And then you responded to the call, um, you know, from the um, the public sector to make hand sanitizer. Was was that an easy decision to make? Was it, or was it something that you were already looking to do? Um, how did that decision come about? I mean, I, I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to say it was really easy to do. But then, if you ask my business partner who deals with <laughs> sort of operations yeah. and logistics, he's probably going to tell you it was an absolute nightmare. But um, you know, for us, it was in terms of the, the decision making process, it was a no brainer. You know, it was sick to death of hearing on the news and social media. I through friends and family as well who work, you know, on kind of on the front line in key services such as the NHS uh, and uh, and things like that. That there's just a shortage of things they need to do their jobs safely, which you know it's just baffling. Mm. Um, you know, we don't want to get political by any means, but you know, if you're going out providing a service that's integral at you know saving lives at the end of the day, then you should mm. be equipped to do that job. Um, yeah. So you know, we we had the production capacity within our facility and our supply chain. So, you know, we had some conversations and testament to, you know, to our ops team and, and to the people that we've got there doing this stuff that, you know, they were able to respond to, to the pressure we put on them to, to get this stuff done quickly. So what what is the difference, you know, between in the production line from making gin to making hand sanitizer? Like, how, how does that change? Well, you, you know the, the the two the two big differences. One, you produce, you have an hangover at the end of it. The other one, you have clean hands. <laughs> um, I think you know the the, the 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 raw component, you know, that we use, you know, a, a GNS, a neutral grain spirit, can be used in hand sanitizer under World Health Organization guidelines. So it's basically pure alcohol, which mm. we buy in. Um, you know, we 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 then distill the, the pure alcohol to to create a range of gins by adding botanicals. You know, natural kind of um, ingredients and components. Same process, different ingredients, the same methodology. You take the, the neutral grain spirits, you know, you, you add some other chemical components to it, perform the process, and then you produce hand sanitizer. So the actual methodology is quite similar, just the components mm. are, are slightly different. And obviously the end product pulls apart. Yeah. Um, and then what about the logistics side of it? You know, obviously you have... You've, you've created all this hand sanitizer. Um, how do you then distribute? Like, how do you then distribute it? How do you how do you get it into? I mean, so we've so we've you know we've been inundated um, by sort of community groups and, and you know individuals who want smaller formats. You know, can mm-hmm. we send a bottle here, a bottle there? And we're just not geared up to do that. Um, we are looking at you know partnering with some people who've got bottling lines that can put it into smaller formats for us. Um, so yeah. we've got conversations happening all week. So I, I, initially we're we're producing this stuff sort of in thousand liter batches, 
Um, and, and then it's you know it's being bottled down into smaller smaller formats such as five liter containers. Yeah. Um, and and that's kind of what we're getting out to people. And then you know it's it's down to them to distribute out to their to whoever needs it. And we are looking at you know partnering with other people to try and get it into smaller. 50 mil, 100 mil bottles, but it's a challenge because we're only geared up to bottle into glass. So, you know, we're, we're, a gym, we're, we're gym producers and we, we make we make alcoholic beverages by trade. So our our kind of, um, you know, machinery and equipment is geared up to do a certain job. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we can't put small plastic bottles through our bottling line. It's, it's just not, you know, it's just not built for that. So um, there's been logistic challenges, but, you know, how, how we've overcome them is, I suppose, is to go back to the question is to produce it in bigger formats, so, so it's kind of bigger containers. Um, and then you've been working with the likes of the gross company who've um, helped with some of that partnering re- relationship. How the gross company? Yeah, the, 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 you know, we, we work with a growth company. We're, we're part of a thing called the Global Scale-Up Programme. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's a great programme. We've, we've been on for, I think, just over 12 months now. It's all about getting you ready for exporting international growth. But they open up their networks to you as well. And obviously, the growth company are very well connected regionally. Um, been really useful, you know, in terms of we've gone to them. Oh, it's, it's a big learning curve for us, you know, switch, you know, switching our production like this. And we, we've needed some support. We've needed to find businesses that can source things for us. Um, so, yeah, the growth company have been, you know, re- really kind of, instrumental in linking us in with people uh, and helping us overcome some of the challenges that, that we've faced. And I think it's incredible because like despite all of the sort of obstacles that you face, you've actually produced a million, one million bottles have come off the production line, which is is really incredible. Um, yeah, the, it's, it's, in, it's increasing daily as well. So, but we've heard that um, on the news that the prices of ethanol are increasing week on week, obviously in respond to this huge yes. demand. What impacts that having on on you well, at the? It, it's twofold, really, and you know we've we've done we've been we've been making a lot of noise about ethanol, trying to create some awareness to what's going on. Um, I, I'll give you an example. You know, a couple of weeks ago we were buying you know NGS ethanol in at about a pound, mm-hmm. um, you know, a pound a litre. Went up to one pound twenty, one pound forty last week, and we're hearing rumours this week it's potentially going up another thirty percent. Which you know, over a two-week period is just it's unsustainable. So yeah. what it's doing to us and and produce people like ourselves who are trying to help across the country with distilleries, a it's making the cost of producing our core product, which is gin. It's making that you know it, it's making that unsustainable because the main components. You know, the prices are being hiked yeah. left, right and centre. But then whilst we're in this phase, of, you know, of pivoting and trying to help with the hand sanitizer production, if, if the prices of our core, core components keep, keep increasing, we're just not going to be able to help. You know, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's you know, I, I, I don't know what the what the line that the, the ethanol providers are taking on this. But, you know, my view is it's, you know, it's, it's unsustainable price hiking in the middle of a crisis. And you can only really interpret that as, as unethical behaviour. Mm. Well, I imagine like everyone, you know, being caught out by a demand increase, such a huge one, may have some increased costs, but the increases you're talking about that sound a little like profiteering to me. Um, yeah. So let's talk about pivoting then. Um, you know, that's you've been through this huge learning curve over the last sort of, I don't know, month. 
Um, what have you learned from that? What have been the main challenges and, and what surprises did you learn um, along the I way? I think the, the positive thing has been, you know, our ability to adapt really quickly. I mean, you know, we, we had a weekend. We managed to kind of keep the laptops off and have a break. And it gives you a bit of time to reflect on what you've achieved over sort of a one to two week period. You know, and that's testament to to kind of us as a management team, our our employees, our supply chain. Um, so the biggest surprise really is, is, is being a positive one. Um, probably a negative surprise is how supply chain can react in the middle of a crisis with the price hikes yeah. we've just spoken about. Uh, but overall, you know, it's been quite a quite a good learning curve. It's it's certainly taught us some new skills. Um, it's taught us a lot of new language as well. Because if you ever try and read HMRC or HSE policy <laughs> when you're new to it, yeah, that's it's that's a yeah. big learning curve. Googling, what but, is this oh, oh, yeah. Overall, though, it's been quite a quite a enjoy. It's been stressful. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say it's not been stressful, and we've been yeah. pounding the phones and working long hours. But you know, you've got to flip that round. You know, what are the hours that people on the front line are doing? So you know, we're only helping them do their jobs. What a lot tougher than ours. Yeah. No, incredible. It's incredible support you're providing. Now, the big question, when will you return to making gin? Ah, see, we're still making gin. Oh, okay. Um, you know, so we, we've still got products out there in, in supermarkets. Because <laughs> oh, that yeah. will start a whole other crisis. <laughs> but then, yeah, and but then, you know, just taking it back to that kind of, I, I mean, I don't want to labour the price hikes of, of ethanol supplies, but mm-hmm. if you if, if put it into the context of, you know, the wider, the wider gin industry, there's a load of great UK craft spirits producers. You know, we've got a great gin movement in the UK, which we're part of. Now, if these prices of ethanol stay the same, you know, if you're looking at in terms of the percentage of the price increases, 20% every couple of days, you know, potentially 30% this week, are their businesses going to be sustainable? Will it have an impact on gin production in the UK? Will some of the smaller brands fall off because they can't afford to be competitive anymore? Um, so you know, that's that's going to be a, I think that's going to be a future challenge which the ethanol suppliers haven't envisaged when they've been price you know hiking yeah. the prices. They're cutting but, their nose you know, off for, despite their face. Well, potentially, and you know, will they will they then revert back to pre-COVID nineteen prices? And what excuse and reasoning will they give for that? But mm. you know, to answer your question, gin production's still ongoing. We've still got products out there in the market. Um, obviously, our business has taken a massive hit because we supply a lot of the you know national pub chains. But yeah, yeah we're still we're still making gin, and it's, it's still it's still ongoing. I know that your goals at the start of the year were to start exporting Didsbury Gin um, worldwide, and yeah. it sounds like the program that you're on with the growth company, um, the global scale up one, is is part of that ambition. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But um, have you know, have you had time to reassess that in the middle of this crisis? We still we see it. I mean, we was on. We've, we've got we've got kind of an internal working group with a lot of our key stakeholders and, and partners for for USA and Canada. So we had our we had a we had a kind of a three hour meeting uh, back end of last week. So our, our our kind of internal viewpoint is we've still got to be business ready at the end of this. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's business as usual, and we're still preparing to launch in, in the USA and Canada sort of um, back end of this year. And it's, we, we pushed it back. Initially, we were, we were set to be out there kind of back end of summer. It's probably going to be August, September time now. But, you know, we, we, we're still massively focused on export. And, 
you know, hopefully when we come out of out the back end of this crisis, we'll we'll be a more resilient business. You know, if we if we manage to navigate through this and survive it, which it looks like we're going to be able to do. Yeah. Um. We, you know, we'll be a much stronger business, and you know, it's business as usual, and we and we we're still we're still very much focused on exporting. It must be hugely pleasing for your investors because I know that you have um, backing from a dragon after appearing on Dragon's Den. Um, yeah. Is it Jenny Campbell invested 75 um, Yeah, that's thousand. right. It's um, the best I'm, 70... I'm just going to put this out there. It's the best £75,000 she's ever spent. <laughs> I'm sure she actually agrees with you right this very precise <laughs> moment. <laughs> You're possibly one of the only profitable things that's happened. Um, yeah. But um, I mean, what was like if you think back to that experience um, on the show? Like, what what was that like? And what what had you gone for the seventy five thousand four? Like, what was the original intent? Well, initially we turned them down to go on the show. The researchers approached us and we turned them down a few months before. But then me and Mark were both made redundant. Um, in March of uh, that was a year ago or two years ago, mm-hmm. and then they came literally the week we were both made redundant. From it's weird because we both we both lost our jobs in completely different industries the same week. And then and at the end started, of the week, they, was Didsbury Gin a side hustle? Yeah, yeah, we we both had full time jobs when we started the brand, <laughs> okay. and then it was just it's just something we were doing basically yeah. to to make the cost of drinking a bit cheaper. Um, but yeah, we we did quite well while it was a side hustle. We we got into Selfridges, Harvey Nichols, we had a bit of sort of lo- local success. Um, yeah. But then we then we lost we lost our jobs. We worked out we probably had a month's worth of cash to live on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dragons Den come knocking again. It was like yes, please, we'll go on. Um, so it, it was yeah, it was kind of a um, seat of our pants time when we went in there. Um, but obviously, you know, we, we pitched well, we knew our numbers, we, we demonstrated we had kind of a, a scalable business because we'd had some, you know, relative success in terms of routes to market whilst we were running it full time. Uh, we got two offers, chose the offer that we thought would have been, you know, prob- but we went on gut, to be honest, and we chose mm-hmm. the person that we thought we'd get along with the most on Which the journey. It's, yeah, it's a very common piece of advice that we hear from investors and and startups alike is that you need to get on you need to be able to sit yeah. and have a drink with them well there's a there's a you know there's a lot of businesses out there and you know that, and this is just from kind of speaking at events and and sort of business networking events there's a lot of entrepreneurs who spend probably 60 to 70 percent of their time appeasing shareholders and that you know that just takes the fun and the energy away from doing what you're supposed to be doing and, and running and building a, a business um uh, and the relationship we've got with Jenny, you know, it's is, is quite good. You know, she, she obviously she holds us to task on the numbers, which is important. But me and Mark ultimately run the business. We, you know, we shape the direction it needs to go in. And as long as we're performing, you know, she's generally got a smile on her face. But we get on, which I think for anyone who's who's potentially going for investment or looking at bringing, you know, venture capital into the business, make sure you can work with these people because you'll be spending a lot of time with them and you need to make sure it's enjoyable time. Um, how valuable has her experience been, though? And, and, I'm, and that question, I suppose, is pre, pre-crisis period, you know, whenever life was normal, and then, I guess, I suppose, now in this current kind of new period that we're in, like how instrumental has that been for you in both sides? I think pre, so sort of Dragon's Den time, it was mm-hmm. invaluable in the sense that you've got somebody with you know, a proven 
business acumen and track record believing in you for one when you've both just been made redundant and effectively put on a scrap heap so that you know that gives you a confidence boost and it, it gives you kind of belief in your product and your brand um during the sort of scale process you need you need to sense check big decisions because ultimately if you make bad decisions they can cost you money and as you sort of a startup going into scale up mode you know there's, there's a lot of cliches out there cash is king and all this nonsense but you've got to make sure you're making the right decisions that aren't going to cost you money long term and it's just great having a sounding board and, and somebody who can bring a different set of eyes to things because ultimately you know obviously me and mark are wholly invested in this business and you know we see things a certain way but it's just great having somebody to who's almost independent in their thought process because they, they look at it with fresh eyes so that's been invaluable. And then to bring it back to the question in terms of the crisis, um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's one of those things. It's She's helped us get our house in order, make sure that we kind of, you know, our finances and cash flow are mm-hmm. well balanced, helped us in terms of approaching some of our customers who potentially owe us a lot of money how you know how do we navigate those conversations we've never been faced with challenges like this before so you know this this, this the advice is uh, is there and it, it it just helps us do our jobs more efficiently yeah yeah um definitely having that expertise in in your corner sounds like it's been a massive help yeah. um, sorry and obviously you know so it, it gives it just it just gives us that a diff, just a different perspective on things because when you when you're busy running a business you can, you can get quite blindsided and quite tunnel vision on what it is you're doing yeah. and having having kind of a board structure and an investment structure you know it, it, it helps you kind of frame sort of the, the medium and the long term and make sure what you're doing in the short and immediate term rolls into the to the bigger picture yeah so certainly as we look to sort of scale overseas and You'd potentially bring more finance into the business. Having someone like that on board's massive help. Yeah. Um the um the challenge that most businesses are facing at the minute, um, Liam, is this whole new different way of working. You know, I'm recording this with you in my bedroom. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, not in a studio, which I normally would be. And we had a few technical problems, as you know, before we uh, got the recording underway today. Um, how is Disbury Gin uh, facing that challenge head on? You know, you've got obviously the production oh, you, side where you've got physical people in contact, but then you have a yeah. sport office, which will have a different need. Um, how are you guys coping with all of that? I mean, you'll never see me in the office again after this. <laughs> no, it's, um, it, 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 I think it's one of those, isn't it? With technology now and, I mean, so so our kind of management team, we work from a, a WeWork setup in, in the city centre. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously our production and supply chain are all out there, you know, in, in kind of industrial premises. So we do a lot of remote coordinating anyway in terms of the nature of our business. You know, we, we um, certainly in production as well, the ops team, they, they coordinate a lot of different moving parts and, and different businesses to, to get to get to our end product. So... We were we were kind of quick to adapt to remote working because there's an element of that anyway in our core business in terms of you know how, how we how we facilitate and coordinate things. But you know it's one of those retaining your sanity and your waistline is probably the biggest challenge of, of 
spending every day indoors. I mean, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's kind of a shine on, on my floor where I walk back and forward to the fridge and the cupboards every 20 minutes. <laughs> Snacks, I think, is everybody's. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, nice you know, that's, that's, that's probably the biggest, my biggest challenge over the next few weeks is to try and stay out of that cupboard. <laughs> but I think, I think, you know, just, just on a more serious note, though, in terms of your question, it's, you know, with technology and, and kind of, you know, the, the, the tools that are available for remote working now, you can you can pretty much do a, a, an efficient job anywhere with the right tools. So yeah. it, it hasn't really, the, the remote working and isolation thing hasn't really had a massive impact in terms of how we do business. Just means we've seen less of each other, which is that a bad thing? <laughs> <laughs> I think I no, actually... I'm, I've spent more time on the phone talking to people and yeah, FaceTiming exactly. people now than I ever have. Like I finished one day last week and I was like, I actually don't think I can talk anymore today. I'm done. Yeah, no, I've done a lot, done a lot of phone calls. I mean, mm. a lot of emails though. Right? Let's just hope we all become more, you know, more, more email reliant yeah. as a nation. Um, in the production line, then, is it? Um, I presume there's um, safety precautions that you've put in place for. Yeah, well, how many so people? We, how how and uh, you know human. So we we've, we've got three. We've got three or four kind of distilleries we work with across the board, and they're all kind of implementing distancing, PPE. Um, you know, I'm go- following government guidelines, um, which makes things a lot slower, but. It's important that, you know, our teams and our supply chain partners stay safe. So we've just got to bite that. And then when looking ahead to the future, Liam, and I'm not sure if um, it sounds like actually you, you guys are very much looking ahead. Um, what are what are the plans and, and what are you looking forward to um, in the in the rest of the year ahead? Uh, well, a pint would be nice. Um, no, so <laughs> I think... For us, we've got we we pre COVID nineteen we were we were gearing up for sort of a fundraise and you know becoming next the next level of investment ready so we can go and scale overseas. So we were doing a lot of work anyway to kind of focus on the back end of this year. Mm-hmm. So if anything, there's there's a, probably a slight benefit to us not being in the office because it means we can focus on getting that plan right and yeah. And, and kind of gearing up for the America and Canada launch um, in, in quarter three of this year. So, yeah, I mean, we, 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 you know, we've got a focus. We know what we're doing. Um, there's, obviously, you know, there's going to be some cash flow challenges we're going to face over the next couple of months as with any, you know, as a load of businesses. There's going to be uncertainty about what will any of our customers be affected in the UK we, will we lose some customers? Will will customers trim their lines and, and focus more on, um, you know, the more household name spirits that mm-hmm. they can procure a bit cheaper? So there's there's a there's a massive massive level of uncertainty in our business plan domestically, but then we've got a lot of clarity in our overseas and export plan. So hopefully the two will balance, and I guess we'll see. I mean, we you know we were doing a lot of work with airlines pre COVID nineteen, and we had. You know, we had some contracts about to come on board, sort of now, which mm-hmm. which you know have been delayed or potentially up for up for you know for for renegotiation mm-hmm. or or even termination. So we, we've got a load of uncertainty, but all you can do is stay optimistic and and get on with it. Yeah, um, I really like your mindset, 
blame. Um, it sounds like you have it pretty together. Um, we like to wrap up <laughs> <Well>. the, <laughs> as you sit there <laughs> yeah. covered in crisps. Yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sat covered in crisp crumbs. I've got a jester's yeah. hat on. <laughs> and, and, and some novelty slippers yeah so profe- professional sanity might be in check but yeah. personal uh, we'll over. see when we get we'll see when we're allowed outdoors yeah we'll survive from all the memes that keep on coming to our whatsapp chats every day yeah we've got a few of them going hmm. um so we like to wrap the podcast up with um some advice from the guest and um i i am sure that the listeners would really welcome sort of what your sort of key pieces of advice would be to other entrepreneurs that are facing the same challenges that you are at the minute um what sort of couple of things would you um say to them i know you've given us a really nice one there on investors yeah i think re you know in terms of if you're a small well any size of business or entrepreneur See what support's available, you know, locally. People like the Grove Company, they're well-placed to, to signpost you. Um, you know, we, we've been quite lucky in that we're part of the Global Scale-Up Programme, but certainly there's 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 a whole host of kind of incubated networks and support companies like the Grove Company out there. So reach out, you know, speak to people, speak to other entrepreneurs, you know, because it can be lonely being an entrepreneur. And, you know, I've spoke to coffee companies on LinkedIn. I've spoke to plastic suppliers and just share your experiences and, you know, you'll you'll get through it. I think manage your cash flow, see what support's available, stay hydrated and keep your hands clean. <laughs> Brilliant. Perfect, perfect advice to to finish on. Um, Liam, thanks for taking some time out of your incredibly busy uh, schedule right now. And please, please continue to save lives um, for entrepreneurs and founders out there who are facing the same challenges that Liam has. I hope that's given you a better night's sleep. Thank you. Cheers.